0: you feeling the pressure of the curse of being in business post about 2000, i.e. content creation, blogs, reels, video, carousel posts, lives, nurtured sequences, welcome emails, blah, 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 this podcast is for you, my lovely. In today's episode of the C Word podcast, I'm talking to Mel Daniels from Meld Business, all about the concept of powerful content as distinct from content for content's sake and we've all been there oh sugar I haven't posted this week or I haven't produced a reel therefore I just need something Mel Daniels is a content strategist coach and speaker who loves to understand why Mel's purpose is to teach and empower women who want more from their business on how to use content in a genuine way She gives them the confidence they need to become more visible, seen as the expert that they are and inspired to take their business to the next level. When she's not talking about content and client journeys, you'll find Mel cheering on her clients from the sidelines. Her other favourite hangouts are the kitchen and the gym. She loves to deadlift and if you saw Mel, she's just a tiny little thing. (laughs) So that's just always so amazing to me. Mel and I talk about what powerful content is and why it's so important. The most important thing that you can embrace when it comes to creating impactful content. She shares three key principles for producing that powerful content. And her tips and tricks for overcoming content creation, overwhelm and burnout. And we definitely all need that. We also tackle some of the myths and the so-called rules around sharing content and why they're actually quite unhelpful, and also how to prioritise and get the most bang for your buck when it comes to content. Now, before we make a start, I just want to say I'm so sorry for my mic in this episode. She was obviously having a bad hair day, but I know it won't affect all the value you will get from what Mel has to share. Hi Mel, how are you? I'm so excited to welcome you to the C Word podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Becky. It is such an honor to be here.
0: Thank you. Look, I'm really excited to chat to you today. I think there is so much, whenever we chat, we get into lots of interesting things. So I think this will (laughs) be no different. But as always, before we get into that... I just want my listeners to be able to get to know you a little bit better, and I want to make you supremely uncomfortable and put you on the spot. (laughs) I'm squirming right now, Becky, and you know, you know that I'm squirming. I know, because you said to me no surprises, so that just prompted me to go, right, we need some surprises. I just want to get to know a little bit more about you. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions, and I just want you to say the first thing that pops into your head. As long as it's kind and polite to me. <laughs> First off, what I want to know is what is your favorite color? Purple. Um, what's your favorite book? Oh, that would be Emma
1: by Jane Austen. Your favorite food? Uh, that would be chocolate. Hands down.
0: <laughs> Milk or dark? Dark, for sure. I want to know, and you can only pick one thing, and I, it's a struggle for people. What is one thing that annoys you? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lump this together
1: and say <laughs> it's going to be a really long one thing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be huge, right? So I would say disrespect. So in particular, people doing things like pushing in oh my goodness, if I'm in a line and someone steps in front of me or if I'm driving and someone tries to cut in front of me because the lane's um, ending and they've just been just so rude and they want to get in front of me, then that drives me crazy.
0: Oh, Mel, I just love that so much. And you know why? Because that is my husband. And he gets really stroppy, particularly with the driving thing. If anybody tries to get Mm. in front of him, you know, in a cut in from the other lane. And I was like, oh, my gosh, just let them in. Who cares? What is it? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, Mel, what I want to know now is what is your comfort blanket? What is your go to thing when you just want to chill out, tune out? How do you just go and zone out? I really
1: like to bake. Does that count? I feel like, you know, if I'm in a bit of a funk with my work or I just feel like I need to feel some joy and some love in my life, then baking is my go-to. I love to bake cakes.
0: There's something very nurturing about baking, I think, isn't it? What is your creative outlet? How do you express yourself creatively? Yeah, I think my creative outlet is probably
1: creating just in general. So whether that's creating content or whether that's creating cakes or whether that's, you know, just sitting down and doing some writing of some
0: description, I think that that's probably what my creative outlet is. When you do that, you dive into that creating. Mm. Do you approach that in a structured way and do you set yourself parameters or do you just let yourself play?
1: Um, I'm typically a very structured person. So I'm going to be 100% honest and say that it's usually in a structured manner. So I I love to plan, I love to be organised, I love a great to-do list. So for me, that creative space I think is more about structure and this is kind of like one of those oxymorons, isn't it, that you can be
0: creative but can be structured at the same time so there is that freedom in structure. I do think that sometimes or very often creativity is helped by structure as well.
1: Oh, definitely. And I see this a lot in my area as well, in terms of you know creating content, that a lot of those people who are what I call a free spirit in terms of their content superpowers, so they just love to be um, free flow and in the moment, even they can benefit from having a plan in place, so having that structure in place. Because when they are in that moment of flow and, you know, really feel like creating things, they know exactly what they need to create. So they have that bit of a guide to guide them along their content creation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I think for any creative, starting from zero is very hard. I would 100% agree
1: with that. Really, really difficult. And I always encourage my clients and my members to think of every single thing that they could possibly write about with their content or possibly create with their content. Start with that massive, you know, brain dump of ideas and then it just becomes so much easier. Once again, when you get into that flow, you you kind of think, well, what are the things I can talk about? What is the um, purpose that I'm doing this this content creation for? What is the outcome that I want to achieve? Um, What's the goal of it, the objective? It just becomes so much easier. Definitely when you
0: don't start with that blank sheet of paper. Okay, so Mel, one thing I would love to hear more from you on is powerful content. So what I wanted to ask you is what is powerful content and also why is it important to
1: you? Wow, this is a big question, big two-part question. So first of all, I believe that there is a human on the other end of every piece of content we create. So when we actually create and use content in a way that is mindful of that person, mindful of the way that they consume it, mindful of the person um, and how they um, will interpret it as well. And then think about the other side of the equation, which is creating the content in a way that feels right and aligned for us. Then that is when we create powerful content. So it's really just like a two-sided equation in terms of powerful content. It's all about the who, the person who's actually consuming it, our ideal client, and then about us, bringing more of us to our content and just creating it in a way that actually feels aligned with us. The why it's so important. So often we feel like we have to do things a certain way. We're told that this is the formula. This is the structure. This is the way you do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're not successful. And I totally disagree with that. I totally disagree with the fact that you can approach content creation and strategy from a cookie cutter perspective because we are all unique individuals. Get rid of that burden. Like, I know I speak to so many women in particular, um, and a lot of creatives as well, Becky, that really feel that overwhelm and the burden, and that content creation is so difficult. And I don't want that for people. And I don't think that it it, um, needs to be like that. So if we can just switch our perspective and really understand that it's just about us and bringing more of us and what brings us joy to our content, as well as what our ideal client needs to
0: hear as well. I completely agree with that, Matt. When you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're actually enjoying making or producing the content that you're producing, almost by default, then you know you're making great content.
1: Yes, 100%. And not only that, it's also about the energy as well, isn't it? So if you're enjoying it and you're loving it, then that really shines through in what you're creating.
0: Yeah. Now, I just want to ask a bit of a 101 question because I always like to get right down to basics and not make any assumptions. So when you talk about content, what specifically do you mean, Mel? So I think a lot of people Mm. think about content as potentially posts for Instagram, or maybe they think about it as written content. Mm-hmm. But what are the main things that make up content? Yeah. Okay.
1: So the content that I deal with, with, with what I teach is around your core content. So that is that one piece of main content, that juicy piece of content that you have that you give to your um, ideal client, your audience on a regular basis. So that includes a blog, a podcast podcast or a video or some description. So that could be uh, producing videos to put on a platform like YouTube or Vimeo, or it could just be videos that you do on Facebook or Instagram. Whatever it is, it's just a recorded um, piece of video. So that's one part of content. The next part I look at as the social media side of things. So I know that there's so many choices out there in terms of social media, um, what platforms we need to be on, but that's kind of lumped together as well. And then the the third piece of it is email. And we all know how important email is to our content ecosystem, but that kind of makes up the the holy trinity of the the contents that I talk about. Specifically, I I would think about content and and in the context of this discussion as well as being the core content, the social media, as well as the email marketing.
0: And I'm so glad that you said video mail. People will have different kinds of content that resonate most with them or that maybe Mm -hmm. they find easiest to produce. If there is a particular type of content you enjoy, then you can throw yourself into that. But then in producing that content, it's quite easy to repurpose. So if you find it hard to write content, but maybe you find it easy to speak, to do a podcast or to record a little video or to be on your stories, you can then potentially use what you say and convert that Mm. into written content.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, and that's one of the main things I teach as well. Just quietly, in terms of reimagination, what else could our content be? What else could it become? And just a really quick example of that is, I'm sitting down to write a book at the moment. Don't tell anyone. I haven't told anyone this okay. yet. Okay, I'll, just between I'll you and edit I. that out. Not so in thinking about writing that book, and this goes back to the blank page concept as well. I started to pull in. Transcripts of um, my masterclasses and my trainings that I've done inside my membership. I have pulled in blogs that I've written. I've got six years worth of blogs to to go back through. So there are just so many different ways that you can reuse content over time, as well as in the moment as
0: well. Yeah. And one thing I did love about what you said at the beginning, Mel, was how do you humanize your content and think about them as a person or as an individual. Now, do you have any more specific tips about how people might do that? Yeah, 100% I do. So I think
1: that. We, it's drummed into our heads constantly by marketers and content marketers out there how important our ideal client is in terms of our business, in terms of creating the offers that we um, give them, in terms of creating the content as well. And I 100% agree with that. It is really important to know your ideal client. The problem is, however, the way that we are taught about ideal clients, it's more um, demographical but I challenge you that you don't necessarily know, know them. So it's, it's like this surface level knowing of who they are, but are they really someone that you want to, you know, take to the local cafe and sit down and have a coffee with? That's the type of knowing that you need to know about them. And it's that, accepting that there is a relationship to be had here when we realize that it's a human and someone that we want to connect with and someone that we really want to serve and help and, you know, help them become the best person that they can possibly be. I think that really shifts our perspective of who our ideal client is. And when we think of the the journey that they take with us, so that's going from not knowing anything about us all the way through to becoming a raving fan. There's different little phases along the way. But that very first phase is connect. It's the connect phase. And so if we don't connect with our ideal client, then they're never going to subscribe to our email list. We're never going to get the chance to nurture them. They're never going to convert to a paying client as well. So when we really kind of lean into the fact that they're a human, we're a human as well, and we need to connect with them before we can actually even think about selling to them, then it really switches the way that we think about our ideal client. So my challenge is to everyone who's listening that, yes, you may know who your ideal client is and you may have done an avatar workbook. Um, You may really have written a story about them But are you clear on who they are as a person and would you really love to go and have a coffee or a wine with them?
0: And I think it's really interesting, not only who you're talking to and understanding them, but how you talk to them. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely how you talk to them. And
1: that goes back to really giving them a little bit of an insight into who you are and the energy that you bring and what you stand for and what you don't stand for as well. I mean. I'm not saying that you need to go out there and, you know, tell people how um, amazing you are and bring all this energy and be really vivacious and be high vibe and, you know, like just freak them out a little bit. I'm not saying that that's how you need to communicate all the time, but just be yourself, right? So for a very long time, I felt as though when I first started my business as a virtual assistant that I was very caught up in how I thought I should be speaking and how I thought that I should be writing and what words I should be using. And coming from a corporate background as well, it was a very professional speak. And the more that I kind of lent into who I was and who I um, really wanted to show that I was to everyone, it just became far easier. I could just be myself. And how much easier
0: is that to actually be yourself when you're creating your content? yeah exactly just using your own voice who knew Mm. that it was that simple you've shared with us Mel how important powerful content is and that that Mm. is really about producing content that really speaks to your audience and so part of doing that is understanding who they are and really Mm. humanizing them and also bringing yourself into it so what other things can you think about when it comes to how you go about producing that powerful content
1: Yeah. Okay. So I have a few things that you can think about whilst you're in that mode of creation. And this is all around um, why you're actually creating it in the first place. So I want you to think about whether you're using it for good or for evil. (laughs) So this is around always evil. (laughs) This is is just around the bringing your heart and soul, bringing more of you, bringing the authenticity to it, or are you bringing a false perception of the world? Um, So are you kind of, you know, saying things are more amazing than what they really are or they have a, you know, a different view on what the reality is when I'm talking about good and evil and sharing from the heart and allowing people to identify with you. I'm not saying that you have to share absolutely everything. So that's the first thing good versus evil. Now, the second thing is around, is there a purpose to what you're creating or are you adding to the noise and the clutter out there? So powerful content helps you stand out for a reason it has a clear um, purpose for why you're actually creating it. So you're creating it to connect with someone. You're creating it to um, get them onto your email list. You're creating it to nurture them. You're creating to convert them. You're creating something uh, to help them go along that client journey with you. Or are you actually just creating for content
0: sake? Can you give an example of that kind of icky content, that content for content's sake?
1: So it's more just around thinking about why you're creating it. So it's not the actual words inside of the the content. Um, It's just it's because someone said to you, uh, Becky, you need to post on social media um, two day, two times, five days a week. So you're just doing it because someone said that you need to do it. And there is no real purpose behind it. So there might not be um, a real connection piece behind it. You You may just be putting it out there. You know, you might just do tip after tip after tip after tip after tip, for example. And yes, tips are important. People need to know and see your expertise and knowledge. But if you're just constantly putting it out there, just because someone told you that you needed to do it that many times, that many times per week, then it's just adding to the noise.
0: I yeah. Or well, my personal bugbear, which is the quote, the quote, the quote, the quoting of the famous person, or mm-hmm. the quoting. Oprah Winfrey has been quoted extensively. The Dalai Lama, all of those people who are, you know, and. I I find that noise personally, you know, okay, I'm all about love the motivational quotes, but just repeating the same, you know, Googling motivational quote, and then posting the first one that comes up. And to me, that is just vacuous noise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is vacuous noise as long as you are just doing it because you think you should be doing it. If there is a purpose behind it, like if there is some message or some meaning or a story that you want to attach to it, then that's probably, that's a little bit different, but you are hundred percent correct. That's the type of content that is just adding to the noise if there is no purpose to it. And then the last thing was, are you posting or you creating content for impact or are you doing it for self-promotion? So there's actually a difference. And I know that you're going to say, well, you know, content, I need to promote myself. Absolutely, you do. Content is one of the the main ways that people find out what your offers are and how they can actually work with you and the transformations that you can provide to them. But if you're using it in a way that is serving yourself rather than serving the greater good, I think then that is where the difference actually lies. So I'm all about community and connection. So it's really important to me that my content really connects with people on that level, on that level of lifting each other up, that we can make a greater impact when we come together, that, you know, community is all about support and encouragement and learning and growth and all of those amazing things that come out of community if I'm doing that from a place of love and service, then that is amazing. But if I'm doing that from a place of self-promotion saying, um, perhaps I might say, look at look at all of these amazing communities that I've created. Aren't I amazing? It's just a different way that it lands with your um, audience, I think. So that's probably the three things, good versus evil, purpose versus noise, or impact versus self-promotion.
0: Oh, I love it. Now, Mel, one thing that you mentioned early on, and I pricked up my ears because it's something that comes up all the time. But I think, particularly for creatives, if you produce creative content in your business, if you're a designer or maybe even a copywriter, so you do that work Mm -hmm. for your clients. And then you've got to stop and go and do that for your business. You've got to go right now, I've got to go and produce this content, design this content, write this content for myself. Mm -hmm. And there is that sense of pressure to do it. And there is some burnout that comes with that. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that content overwhelm. And have you got any Mm. tips for managing that?
1: Um, I would say there's probably three things. There's three things that you can do to help overcome that overwhelming burdensome feeling of, oh, I have to create content. Because I don't want you to feel like that. I don't want you to think, oh, I have to create content. I want you to think, I want to create content. I want to be able to connect with my ideal client and take them on this journey. So that's probably the first thing that I would say is know your, know your client journey. So that is taking them from not knowing anything about you all the way through to becoming a raving fan. Um, and there's different phases in that client journey. So can connect, subscribe, nurture, convert, and then onboard. So knowing what they're thinking, feeling, and doing at each of those particular stages is really going to help you start creating that powerful content. So that content that's for good, that's for purpose, that has impact is um, going to be so much easier when you know exactly what your ideal client needs to hear at a particular stage in that client journey. So that's probably the first thing. And then the second thing is to know what types of content are best to use at each of those phases. So for example, social media, you can use at any phase of that client journey because social media is such a powerful tool that it can help us to connect with people. It can help us get them onto our email list. It can help us to nurture them and it can help us to um, convert them as well. So knowing that you can use social media in all of those phases is really going to help you. Then you've got things like email marketing. So email marketing, you're going to use in that subscribe phase. So when they actually sign up to your email list and then uh, to nurture them and to convert them as well. And so it's just really knowing what types of content to use at each of those stages as well is going to help you feel less overwhelmed by it all. Okay, so once you know the purpose and the objective of what a piece of content does, then it's
0: just going to become so much easier for you to do. Yeah, it comes and back then- to that not having blank sheet of paper versus yeah. having a starting point, knowing what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. Yeah, so if someone says to you, oh, you really should be sending
1: out an email every week and you go, yeah, okay, I really should be. But why am I sending out that email? Oh, emails are used really at that nurture phase okay so I should be creating content on my email should be really about that nurture stage because they already have connected with me they've already subscribed to my email list so it's more about that nurture piece so it just really helps you understand why you're creating it and then uh, the third thing is the power of (laughs) reimagination tell us everything Mel So I think like I use the the term reimagination rather than repurpose or reuse because I think those two words are so boring, right? Who wants to reuse a piece of content? It's
0: mechanical, isn't it? Yes.
1: (laughs) It is. We can reimagine. Think of the possibilities. What else could my piece of content actually become? So it's different. It's different. So I coined. The term reimagination after some amazing um, employees at the Disneyland at at Disney. So they're called Imagineers.
0: So Imagineers. I want that
1: job. (laughs) I know. It's seriously amazing. So that is a combination of engineering and um, bringing ideas to life. So they have these amazing jobs of. Uh, trying to, you know, perhaps come up with new rides or new ideas or concepts and actually build them. Or they take existing rides or existing concepts within um, the, the Disney theme parks, as an example, and turn them into something else, turn them into a different ride or a different themed ride. So then I just love that thought of not, you know, not not even failing at things. So you can actually just do and try. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. We find a different way of doing it. Um, And just the possibility side of things, I think it's really exciting. So this is about taking your core piece of content, which we spoke about earlier. So that blog, podcast or video and thinking about how can I create micro pieces of content from that one piece of content? And there's lots and lots of different ways you can do that.
0: I absolutely love and adore that Mel, because I think it really does take the pressure off. And it for me, I think it's really about you've got that one thing, which you put a lot of energy into potentially, but then you get to mm-hmm. leverage it in so many different ways. But I think the idea of approaching it, not as, as you say, repurposing, which is very mechanical. I just think of someone getting a scalpel out and sort of like cutting it up into pieces and then putting it back together again. (laughs) But instead it's like reinventing it and how can I add to it a little Mm. bit and how can I approach it slightly differently? And that is far more inspiring, exciting than the mechanics of let's now just repurpose this in four different ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, though, that once you get a process around it as well, then that's going to help with the the overwhelm as well. So it's um, not being mechanical, but also being creative at the same time.
0: Yeah. Now, Mel, I know that you do love a to-do list and you love a structure and you love a process. Oh, yes. Tick, tick, tick. How much do you think as well, or do you not think, that the there is a role for sort of experimentation in your content and trying different things and maybe sometimes going with your gut a little bit? Oh, definitely
1: there is a place. And I think that if you don't do that, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So I feel as though that sometimes we do once again, we're told by experts that we have to do something a certain way, or we should be uh, creating it in a certain formulaic way that we get so caught up in that, that we, do, we forget about the joy and we forget about the um, experimentation side of things. So, you know, sometimes at the moment I'm doing a few reels, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious. Yep. <laughs> some of them land, some of them don't. But, you know, it's, it's really just trialing it, isn't it? It's just seeing what actually works and what doesn't work because sometimes you might actually be surprised. You think that your ideal client may um, resonate with a certain piece of content, but they don't and vice versa. So it's really exciting to really bring that experimentation side to your content as well, 100% yes.
0: Yeah, and look, I think there is a bit of a mindset to that, isn't there, that just because something doesn't land It doesn't mean that you should then just stop and say, well, that didn't work. So I'm going to not do that. You know, and I've been guilty of that. I've done reels and nobody gives a monkeys about my reel. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing reels anymore. I hate them just as an example. But I think not being put off just because it didn't work once or, you know, that perhaps it just didn't land the first time, but being willing to carry on and keep having a go, I think Mm. is also a big part of content creation it is
1: and you've got to also remember that there are so many other external factors coming into play here like if you're talking about social media there's algorithms if you're talking about emails there's deliverability rates so if something doesn't work once it doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to work all the time one thing i do want to ask you about
0: is a practical thing and i think it comes up a lot for people and i do think it's something that people get stuck on is The idea of frequency of posting or some of the rules around content creation, like you should post every day, or someone once told me that you have to do a minimum of 10 stories every day, or you should be doing a weekly blog. Mm. I just want to get your perspective on that.
1: Oh, there's so many things I want to say to this. Um, The first thing I'm going to say is one of my strong beliefs is that we don't have to do hashtag all the things. So when we take into consideration our time, our energy and our resources, our life and our business flows so much easier. So if you think about if you're being told that you need to do all of these crazy things, you need to email weekly, you need to post 10 stories a day, whatever it is, and you try to do that, but you don't have the time to do it. You sure as hell don't have the energy to do it because not only are you running a business and serving clients, but you've probably got a family to to look after as well. And um, you probably, you might not have the resources to do it either. So you might not have the money to employ other people. You may not have the team to actually do it. So if you don't have the time, energy and resources to do something that someone's told you that you have to do when you're trying to do it, where do you think you're going to end up? You're going to end up in that position of burnout and overwhelm and just feel so disappointed and frustrated that I just think it's an absolute joke that people put these parameters around how often you should be creating content. So instead, if we flip that and go, well, I've only actually got a finite amount of time, energy and resources. I acknowledge that, I accept that, I accept that fact. What can I achieve in this limited amount of time, energy and resources and come from that perspective, then it's gonna be so much easier for you to actually create. So that's the first thing. The first thing is, you know, time, energy and resources. And the second thing is you. You are without a doubt the most important thing when it comes to content. And if you are trying to do something that someone else has told you that you have to do and it's not in your strengths, it's not something that you love to do, it's not something that will necessarily Uh, meet your greater goal or your greater vision as well. How do you think you're going to feel about that? Like there's going to be such a huge disconnect between why I'm doing this thing because I have to do it rather than I'm doing this thing because I really love it and I really enjoy it. And so, you know, when people come out and say things like, you know, you have to do reels on Instagram and the last thing that you can see yourself doing is, miming to someone else's voice or dancing or pointing at the screen, if that just absolutely horrifies you, then what kind of energy are you going to bring to it when you're trying to do it? It's going to be really crappy energy, isn't it? And your audience will pick up on that. So I mean, obviously in that space, there is a difference between doing something that's outside your comfort zone and doing something that's not in your strength. So you need yeah. to be aware of that. But if it's not within your strengths and it's not something you love to do, then just don't do it. Please don't do it.
0: Yeah, because there's so many other things that you can do, I think is the point. Yes, <laughs> that I is the point. You-, you said it succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> and I love what you were saying about, you know, if you've got a finite amount of energy and resources Picking the thing that is going to have the most impact mm-hmm. and then investing in that to make it powerful. So it is powerful content. It meets all of your criteria of and everything you've talked to us about, about how you go about humanizing your content. Then that's far more productive, actually, probably than spending hours producing 10 posts a day that none of which are going to land. If you just produce mm-hmm. one piece of content that was going to be really meaningful then it's actually a much better use of your energy and time. A hundred percent, yes. Okay, Mel. Look, I do want to talk to you a little bit because I love a quiz. Yes. Quizzes are my thing. If somebody presents to me, you are one of four things. <laughs> and if you answer these questions, you will know which one you are. I'm in. Well, have I got something for you then, Becky? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Before we were talking
1: about bringing our superpower our content superpower to our content creation and strategy and really knowing what that strength is so we can work with it but on the flip side knowing what our kryptonite is so we can try and avoid it and put some things in place to really be able to enhance our strengths and create content in that way so i do have a quiz it's called unlock your content superpower and you will become out one of four <laughs> types of yay having- i'm in <laughs> yes And I'm not going to tell you what they are, because if I tell you what they are, I think that that might influence the way that you actually answer the questions. But there's like eight questions. They're super fun. It's super quick, but it really does um, pinpoint exactly what your superpower is and how you can use
0: it to your advantage. Oh, well, if there's a link to that, Mel, maybe I'll pop that in the show notes because I I want to do it. I'm sure everybody else will too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, Mel. This has been very reassuring, actually, when it comes to content, because I think there is a lot of pressure to do things a certain way. And a lot of what you've said, I think, takes a lot of that pressure off. Yes. But before we say goodbye, I just want to check in with you and ask you, is there anything else, any other words of wisdom or little gold nuggets that you would like to share?
1: I think that I probably just want to reiterate the fact that being in business and creating content It's all about you and it's all about finding the joy in that. If there is no joy in that and you don't have a a bigger vision or a bigger purpose, then what's the point? So really just tap into the things that light you up, the things that you really love. Go with those and don't be afraid to bring them to your content because it is your beautiful uniqueness that differentiates you from your competitors and the moment that we realize that and we step into that, it just brings a whole different energy and meaning to the content you create and the business that you're growing.
0: Amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Mel. I've loved our chat and I knew I would. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Becky. It
1: has been a huge honor to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay.